Contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In times of spiritual and moral chaos, it can be hard to discern truth from error and to apply it to all of life. God's word is not silent, and we don't have to be either. This is Once for All Delivered with Caleb Castro and Andrew Smith. Hi there, Once for All listeners, those who are lads and lasses. Welcome to another episode of Once for All Delivered. I'm your co-host, Caleb Castro. And I am co-host Andrew Smith. We have a special topic for you today that uh, has been a special topic once before and will continue to be a special topic and a running topic. And that topic is... Uh, Satan. That's right. Which, again, I'm sure this has already been uh, given away by the title of this episode, which is not usually chosen until after in post-production. So... Yeah, you know that this is about Satan, and you know what this is about, yep. particularly in Satan, because actually, even though I said the title tends to be chosen in post-production, I do believe you pitched The Devil Went Down to Iowa. The Devil Went Down to, to Des, Moines, Des Moines. That's right. As the Devil Once Went Down to Hollywood, I guess this is our our sequel or that's something. Right. The uh, continued... Works of the Devil in America in 2023. Yes. At the very end of 2023. Episode 5, uh, the, uh, the Satanists strike back. The Satanic Temple strikes back. Yeah. Boy, did kind they of. ever. Well, they struck a little, and then a lot of Christians, it seemed, struck themselves. The Satanic but. Temple struck little, and then the Christians struck harder. That's right. Y- yep. Never doubt the ability of evangelicals in 2023 to self-own. Yeah. This topic doesn't need much actual introduction. I'm sure that uh, many have seen the news uh, at this point. And just in case, for those who have not, for those who don't live in the United States, our frequent featured guests uh, from especially earlier episodes of Once for All Delivered, we would talk about satanic things occurring in the news as kind of a recurring feature. The Satanic Temple, which is a non-theistic group that uh, starred basically as trolls in 2012, 2013 or so. 13. They're a bunch of atheists, at least so they think, that like to go and poke fun at and annoy Christians in particular and try to be the thorn in the side. They say they're for people's liberties and government's non-involvement with personal choices, ethical choices, and that kind of stuff. Basically, they are, as I said, just a bunch of trolls that uh, like to play at an organized religion. They did eventually become a so-called organized religion in 2017, uh, pardon me, 2018. 2019. 2019. Wow, I'm all over the place on that. Yep. And one of the things that they like to do very much also is they like to use lawfare and courts and legal wrangling to basically try to remove Christianity from any public expression. So they're kind of like the last, the final form of of Reddit atheism. (laughs) We had spoken about them, particularly, I think, uh, with uh, Boston, right, too. Uh, uh, They're the ones that hosted the conference slash workshop. So they're very for, like, trans rights kind of stuff. 
They're also the ones that opened the satanic abortion clinic in New Mexico, which I learned since we talked about that. They named after Samuel Alito's mother, Samuel Alito, the Supreme Court Justice. Again, trolls. They had um, originally in 2017, the uh, founder had said that he had no interest in seeking a tax exempt status or anything like that until basically uh, Donald Trump in 2018 sent out an executive declaration that was basically stating, hey, Christians uh, are allowed to go and make political statements and have political displays and this kind of stuff. They can make political statements or or shows. So in other words, doing things like that you can have the Ten Commandments in the courtroom or in in the courthouse or, you know, uh, you can have the nativity display up in a capital. Which they shouldn't be doing right. anyway because of Second Commandment, but that's another talk. But, another well, time. unless, uh, is it Second Commandment, though, if there's no baby Jesus there? Nah, I mean, I still don't like do you, it. Oh, that's a, it, it's a good gray area now to figure <laughs> out. It's probably not the smartest thing, but is anyways. So, Satan. Well, <laughs> in Des Moines, in Des Moines, the devil went down to Des Moines. We said the thing. The Satanic Temple of Iowa, they actually, I think, called them congregations, (laughs) funny enough. There was a nativity display in the Des Moines capital. And so the the Satanic Temple obviously uh, thought that, hey, let's have our Iowa congregation or whatever go and put up like a little devil shrine. So they made uh, Baphomet, uh, the goat head, you know, typical demon goat head Satan thingy out of disco ball. They wanted to use a real goat yes. head, but were disallowed yeah. from using a real one. They had to use a metal yeah, one. Yeah, so they did have that in mind. They were going to use a real goat head in the statue. We'll come back to the comment on that. But basically, uh, yeah, they, they basically made a little disco ball <laughs> metal goat head with a little cloak thing or whatever. And it was sitting there for a while. They left that up there. Uh, and I think it was uh, allowed to be there for about seven days. And this, of course, I mean, it would have been allowed to be there in perpetuity or well, till Christmas or however long they meant to. But then something happened. So the uh, the minimum was the seven (laughs) days, I think it was. So, yeah, yeah, something happened before long. Uh, I think it lasted about a weekend or so, and it was beheaded, Um, not in a particularly aggressive manner. A Navy vet and Navy pilot uh, trainer slash who has uh, become a aspiring politician from Mississippi, Mississippi, Michael Cassidy, who had been running as a representative for a representative of Mississippi in 2022, lost by some, I think it was 30 something points, might have been 70 something points, but uh, main point in this is uh, yeah, Michael Cassidy goes in, was filled with uh, religious zeal and fervor, a, a, a righteous anger and felt compelled to remove the head of this statue and he uh he went and discarded it in the trash and uh, tore it down so i we had some soft iconoclasm uh in the year 2023 beautiful thing yep that was Love the to overview see andrew we want to fill in the details now and the responses all right so uh, from the time that this statue appeared in the Iowa State Capitol building. It provoked a wide variety of responses. Probably one of the most 
uh, well-documented responses was that of an Iowa State representative named John Dunwell. Now, John Dunwell, according to his Twitter bio, is a licensed and ordained minister in the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Now, that hits a little close to home. I actually grew up in the Christian and Missionary Alliance. It was, at the time, a you know, very pretty typical Baptistic evangelical denomination, some charismatic leanings. Uh, recently, though, it seems like it's been kind of heading the wrong way, both uh, doctrinally. They recently allowed the ordination of women. And then also uh, one of their seminaries in New York went bankrupt and has to close. So rough times in the CMA. So this John Dunwell started tweeting things, uh, all kinds of things, all kinds of fascinating things about this monument in Iowa. About Let me find the... And other About things. stuff and things. And the reason I bring these up, I mean, he's been, he's been piled on quite a bit already, but I bring this up because this is going to sound like some things we have heard and we have talked about before, as we did early on when we rebranded as OFAD, the series on Christ and culture and some of the views that we looked at. So this was after the statue was set up before it was torn down. John Dunwell tweeted this. It is a long tweet, but I'll just read the whole thing. So, okay, before I get into that background, so lots of Christians were complaining, writing in Caleb, you as a resident of Iowa mentioned that you contacted, you know, your representatives and I don't know, Maybe you'll come back no, to that. I, Maybe I'll you just won't. say now the uh, response was it's messy as well. Yeah. We had a congregant that got a, a similar response of it's it's complicated or something like that. It's uh, I don't know. It's yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So how complicated did it get? Well, John Dunwell tweeted this. He says, as I continue to hear from Christians on the issue of the satanic temple display at the Iowa Capitol. I have found myself shocked at what I believe is a misunderstanding of the basic biblical concepts of the kingdom of Jesus. It is not a physical kingdom defined by boundaries and nationality. It is not the recreation of the nation of Israel in the United States of America! Exclamation point. It is a spiritual kingdom led by Jesus, filled with those who have been transformed by his spirit's presence in their lives. The concepts in the Old Testament regarding the nation of Israel we are called to incorporate in this spiritual kingdom. For example, we tear down the places of idolatry in our hearts. We are not called to physically tear down false places of worship. The battle we fight is primarily spiritual and not physical. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces. Therefore, our primary response needs to be spiritual and not physical. I recognize I live in a pluralistic society that does not share my perspective on Jesus being the only way. I am called to transform that world through the presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The passing of legislation can never accomplish what the presence of Christ in lives can do. The latter is real change. The latter is true kingdom with a capital K change. We cannot afford to adopt the ways of earthly kingdoms or earthly tweeters exclamation point close parentheses period. Sorry, I don't need to comment on the 
punctuation. <laughs> we are different. <laughs> kind of funny. We, <laughs> I think you do. <laughs> I do think you need to. Well, I missed the open. There was an open parenthesis, but then also the exclamation point and the <laughs> and then the close parenthesis and the period. It's I mean, I funny. get it. It's sometimes confusing to know where to put your punctuation <laughs> in relation to parentheses, but you definitely don't need both. So anyway, uh, moving on. We are different. We choose not to fight our battles in the same way. We are called to humility, love and service. He does use the Oxford comma. So that's good. <laughs> we like that. <laughs> I'm not done. There's still more to this tweet, though, um, because he pays his eight bucks a month and can post uh, tweets of unlimited length. <laughs> As an American, I reject the concept of Christian nationalism on constitutional grounds. As a Christian, I reject the concept of Christian. I already no, He did say it twice. OK. <laughs> As a Christian, I reject the concept of Christian nationalism. On Oh, no, no, it's different. OK. As a Christian, I reject the concept of Christian nationalism on constitutional grounds. As a Christian, I reject the concept of Christian nationalism on biblical grounds. That was hard. Um, the Satanic Temple display is a horrible display at our capital. It represents an evil that needs to be transformed by the presence of Christ. It can be physically torn down by those who oppose it. But it will not lead to real heart change. Iowa needs Jesus and will not be truly transformed by legislatures and laws, but by his life-giving spirit. When I see the evil display of the satanic temple, I see an invitation to focus on bringing real kingdom change to Iowa. That's that tweet. He said a few other things at different times as well, sort of in the same vein as he kind of got piled on and ratioed over this. He continued to express his disappointment in the Christian nationalists and all of that that came after him. And it wasn't the only response. One response was from uh, Governor Kim Reynolds mm -hmm. of Iowa, who is a professing Christian. I don't have it in front of me, but it was basically just that we're not going to do anything about this, but we just yeah, need to practically. pray. <laughs> it's, it's a call to prayer. So these are the kind of responses you get from these Republican, again, professing Christians who hold state office in Iowa. And I mentioned this sounds like something we've heard before. I don't know if John Dunwell has any direct ties to Escondido, <laughs> um, but it sounds a lot like the Two Kingdoms doctrine that comes out of there and other places where they say similar things, where there is this bifurcation of the spiritual kingdom and then the kingdom of everything else essentially and you know anytime there is an intent or an opportunity to do something in the the kingdom of the world the political sphere things like that no just don't do that just refocus it somehow into the spiritual i just gotta say like when I heard that, that's where my mind I went. I agree so. that the primary concern is spiritual. That we are looking at the, the total supremacy and focus of the preaching of the gospel to change hearts. But <laughs> does the spiritual and physical have to have a, such a radical separation that never the twain should meet between a legislative law uh, and the higher moral law. 
And that is quite a question, isn't it? And the thing about the thing about what Dunwall here tweeted, like, I mean, he was obviously very loud and proud about it, but I don't think that his position he stated is all that unusual. It really seems to be kind of the prevalent ethos now for broad evangelical Christians and dealing with the political sphere. Basically, just just don't stay out of that. It's dirty. It's nasty. Because you don't want to not be winsome and missional and all the things that go along with that. that. It being dirty and nasty is precisely why (laughs) we should be engaging Mm -hmm. into it. You have your uh, Westminster there. So on one end, you'll have those who will say things like, Paul at uh, Mars Hill did not tear down the statues to the false gods, right? He didn't even tear down the one to the unknown god. He went and used it as a teaching point by like publicly preaching virtually. Where are we thinking that it's okay to then be iconoclastic or whatever? Uh, and that we need to tear down those things, uh, statues to false gods. On the other end, there's uh, arguments like if a Muslim wanted to put quotes from the Quran in a courthouse or on a state building, would we oppose that? Shouldn't we oppose that? How come they can't have an equal liberty? Or do we need to tear down Something that is directly satanic, even when it's a non-theistic group who, who claim they don't believe in an actual Satan, with a monument to Satan in the capital, do we need to tear that down? What do the confessions say, or, or what do doctrinal standards say? Well, let's just look at that, shall we? Westminster Larger Catechism. Question 105, what are the sins forbidden in the first commandment? Well, one of the things, because there's a lot of things listed here, but one is all compacts and consulting with Mm -hmm. the devil and hearkening to his suggestions. (laughs) So all compacts and consulting with Mm -hmm. the devil. So very clearly Mm -hmm. here a a statement against Mm -hmm. Satanism. As to the duties required in the first commandment, so this is question 104. Again, it's another long list of duties. Near the end of the answer, it says, being careful in all things to please him and sorrowful when in anything he is offended, he being God. So our duties to God require that we ought to be sorrowful when in anything God is offended. I just got to say those responses I, you know, was reading earlier to this, they didn't sound particularly sorrowful. They sounded rather uh, strident and defensive uh-huh. that, you know, and, and this is what you see with a lot of the older conservatism in America that's still hanging on in terms of, I don't like what you're doing, but I will fight to the death to defend your right to do mm-hmm. it. The more libertarian leaning mindset, but it's like, yeah, not all things are actually Just defensible. Just you can doesn't mean you should. <laughs> but neither does it mean you that you should be able to. Here's another one. So the second commandment, uh, because both actually are pertinent here. The larger catechism question 108. What are the duties required in the second commandment? At the end of that, it says, as also the disapproving, detesting, opposing all false worship... And according to each one's place and calling, removing it and all monuments of idolatry. Wait, even a literal monument? 
<laughs> or is it being figurative? <laughs> it's just the monuments in our heart, guys. Just the heart monuments, the actual physical, you know, seven foot tall monument of idolatry next to the staircase there in the Iowa State Capitol. Yeah, that we're not. That's clearly not what's in view here. <sighs> so it should be noted that that, you know, John Dunwell and Governor Kim Reynolds, them, they're they're not Westminster Presbyterians as far as we know. But but it is just interesting that. You know, we somehow in Protestantism in America, we got from that to what we uh, see now. Thumb twiddling. <laughs> Waiting for the yeah. whole thing to blow um, I think I'm going to close this thing with a quote from Charles Hodge that's just going to show you how bad we've got and how far we've seemingly drifted. But, uh, but uh-huh. I'll save that for the end. But anyway, so yeah. We have this very public monument of idolatry. And so this guy from Mississippi, because it seems that none in, you know, in or around Des Moines could be troubled to do it. Guy drives all the way from Mississippi and comes and tears the thing down. Now, some have piled on this guy for tearing the thing down for the reasons previously specified, as well as there's been a lot of questioning about his motivations. Well, he did it for fame. He did it for clout. He did it to help some future run for political office again. For me, I am far less inclined to care about any of that. I'm very happy that there's one less satanic monument in the world. And even, you know, I don't know the guy. I don't know his heart. I don't know where he's coming from. Even if God used a flawed means to do it, it was a good purpose. It was a good Already thing. Already the he assumption did. and speculation into the nature of his motives and the commentary on it, you would end up moving into that often appealed to ninth commandment violation. In these kind of instances, if the tables were flipped, you know, if it was some kind of liberal or progressive Christian acting against doctrines of scripture, if there were suspicion in commentary on that, then that liberal or progressive would be protected by others saying, oh, that's a ninth commandment violation, right? You're slandering such and such. In this manner, this is a public instance, the individual went and did this action. And uh, you you then get he's being met with uh, yeah speculations on his own motives uh, uh, against yeah. what he himself has said, which was that he felt that he was bound to the word of God. And not to government prescriptions here. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think a regular judgment of charity on the part of or towards someone who claims to be a brother in Christ. And, you know, at least from like what I read from the catechism and such seems to be doing a proper Christian activity. You know, you could raise the questions about, you know, prudential questions about he's not from Iowa he doesn't have any particular standing or authority in the Iowa State Capitol. But then again, that just raises the issue of, okay, well, I mean, somebody from Iowa probably should have done mm-hmm. it. And he did it instead. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. No, that, that's one of the things where you've been living, I think, about like four, uh, just about four or four and a half hours away from Des Moines. That was even something that you wrestled through. You know, it's yeah. like it's, that's not that far. And it's like, okay. Think about, well, you know, do you do it? What do you then, how do you handle the consequences or whatever? And 
That's yeah. one of the interesting things of with him where he, uh, you know, he did it and then he immediately went and turned himself into the police. And was charged with a, I believe it's just a misdemeanor. Yeah. The satanic <laughs> temple folks in the way that they do, they're trying to make it more. I'm sure they're looking for enhanced prosecution for hate crimes and all that <laughs> other sort of yeah. stuff. I think we've kind of well summarized what happened and the issues in play. I mean, many people by now have done much more and deeper and better analysis of the situation and the theological issues. I guess just, yeah, where I, where I kind of want to leave this. There's been a lot of discussion surrounding this about, you know, all the issues about church-state relations and secular pluralism and, you know, the big boogeyman in the room, Christian nationalism, which, just so we're clear, I, at this point, I mean, I'm still not exactly comfortable mm -hmm. with the terminology of of being a Christian nationalist. But then you do also have to start to ask how much of this stuff that's being condemned and attacked and reviled as christian nationalism or some other big scary thing is really just what christianity believed until very recently like you know maybe the last half of the 20th century and maybe just to make an argument for that i'm gonna quote at length presbyterian theologian charles hodge now charles hodge is not exactly known as any kind of radical any kind of out of the mainstream Presbyterian. He's about the, you know, might, might be the best American Presbyterian theologian that we ever had. He was one of the old Princeton professors. He wrote a systematic theology that's still widely used and very good. He was an American. So he was dealing in the world of the revised Westminster standards that changed the parts about the civil magistrate. So you have all these people coming in and saying secular pluralism and even in the Escondido Two Kingdoms approach saying that secular pluralism is good and something that we need to defend and something that we need to have. And with all of that in your mind, <laughs> let's listen to Charles Hodge. Now, this is actually in his treatment of the fourth commandment. What sets off this discussion for him is talking about Sunday laws, about Sabbath laws. But he ends up sort of leading into this longer discourse on America and church-state relations in America. And so this is volume three of Hodge's Systematic Theology on page 343 under the heading, Proof that this is a Christian and Protestant nation. He writes, The proposition that the United States of America are a Christian and Protestant nation is not so much the assertion of a principle as the statement of a fact. The fact is not simply that the great majority of the people are Christians and Protestants, but that the organic life, the institutions, laws, and official action of the government, whether that action be legislative, judicial, or executive, is and of right should be and in fact must be in accordance with the principles of Protestant Christianity. 1. This is a Christian and Protestant nation in the sense stated in virtue of a universal and necessary law. If you plant an acorn, you get an oak. If you plant a cedar, you get a cedar. If a country be settled by pagans or Mohammedans, it develops into a pagan or Mohammedan community. So Mohammedan being an old word for 
Islam or for Muslims. By the same law, if a country be taken possession of and settled by Protestant Christians, the nation which they come to constitute must be Protestant and Christian. This country was settled by Protestants. For the first hundred years of our history, they constituted almost the only element of our population. As a matter of course, they were governed by their religion as individuals, in their families, in all their associations for business and for municipal, state, and national government. This was just as much a matter of necessity as that they should act morally in all these different relations. 2. It is a historical fact that Protestant Christianity is the law of the land and has been from the beginning. As the great majority of the early settlers of the country were from Great Britain, they declared that the common law of England should be the law here. But Christianity is the basis of the common law of England, and is therefore of the law of this country. And so our courts have repeatedly decided, it is so not merely because of such decisions. Courts cannot reverse facts. Protestant Christianity has been, is, and must be the law of the land. Whatever Protestant Christianity forbids the law of the land within its sphere, so you kind of almost have some Kuyperian sphere language here, even though I believe Hodge would have wrote before that, uh, i.e. within the sphere in which the civil authority may appropriately act, forbids. I'll read that sentence again since I cut it off there. Whatever Protestant Christianity forbids the law of the land within its sphere, i.e. within the sphere in which civil authority may appropriately act, forbids. Christianity forbids polygamy and arbitrary divorce. So does the civil law. I mean, it did then. It doesn't anymore. Romanism forbids divorce even on the ground of adultery. Protestantism admits it on that ground. The laws of all the states conform in this matter to the Protestant rule. So even then he's making a distinction between Protestant Christianity and Roman Catholicism. He continues, because this, remember, this is all in discussion of the terms of Sabbath laws. He says, Christianity forbids all unnecessary labor, the transaction of worldly business on the Lord's Day. That day, accordingly, is a dies non throughout the land. No contract is binding made on that day. No debt can be collected on the Christian Sabbath. If a man hires himself for any service by the month or year, he cannot be required to labor on that day. All public offices are closed, and all official business is suspended. From Maine to Georgia, from ocean to ocean, one day in the week, by the law of God and by the law of the land, the people rest. Now, he could go on to read from there because he continues to talk about this some more. He talks about if you go to China, you expect to find it, you know, a nation according to the religion there, or Turkey, it's going to be Islamic. He goes on to talk about infanticide because, you know, we have an abortion issue. It's almost like, you know, he, he saw where this was all going if Protestant Christianity was abandoned in, as the law of the land, but at least at the time of Charles Hodge, so the middle of the 19th century, in fact, it was 1872, 1873 that these were published, so after the Civil War, but still very clearly, again, as a pretty normal mainstream Presbyterian theologian, Charles Hodge believed that America was a Protestant Christian nation and ought to be governed as such. So there would not be room in there for something like, well... I guess we'll let the Satanists come set up their statue in the state capitol. <laughs> so I bring this up just to say, 
we've really lost the plot somewhere along the way. Because even in America, even under revised Westminster standards, you have, you have again, very normal mainstream theologian saying something like this. And if he said this now, he'd probably be in trouble. He'd probably be getting disciplined or at the very least would be very severely criticized by our evangelical elites and our evangelical establishment. He might even so, be a Christian nationalist. <laughs> yeah. Well, he does talk about a Christian nation, so I guess if the well, shoe fits. I think that's just about everything. I don't have anything else beyond that. I think, like you said, Charles Hodge ends it. <laughs> yep. So read Hodge, read old Protestant theology to cleanse your palate of the insanity of our modern age. <sighs> anyway. So, I'm sure there will be more Satanism in the future. There always is. That's right. We'll, we'll eventually get back to Satanism. Yep. We thank you for joining us once again on Once for All Delivered. Again, you can reach us. How you always reach us. Our social media. You know, Heidi says all of this in the outro, so I don't even really know why we say it here. Because it's fun. It's okay. tra it's tradition. Yeah. It's reinforcement by repetition. <laughs> yeah. Buy. Donate. <laughs> subscribe. Yeah. Subscribe. Rating and review. <laughs> Tweet. Share. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so. Yeah. I think that's just about everything we have then for today. And, uh. As you said already, until next Satanism or next time uh, when we talk about other stuff and we release things that we've already recorded ahead of time and release them and you listen to them. Yep. Bye. Yep. Bye. Take it, Heidi. Thank you for listening to this episode. For the latest news and updates, visit our substack at onceforalldelivered.com, where you can also support our work with a paid subscription. You can also follow us on social media at OFAD Podcast. If you like what you have heard, leave a five-star review where you get your podcasts and spread the word about the show. Once For All Delivered is hosted by Andrew Smith and Caleb Castro and produced by Andrew and Heidi Smith. A special thank you to our founding members, Eric and Kathy Hepker. We hope you will join us again next time on Once for All Delivered.